0: Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at one hundred and five one FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. Every game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan. And the Rams return to the Seagull Center tomorrow for a game against Loyola Chicago, trying to make it four wins in a row for the Rams. And, of course, I'm broadcasting live from Capital Alehouse here in Innsbruck. You can check me out here. On Mondays during the NFL season from 12 to 3 p.m., take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, host of Grant and Danny. They come up after me from 3 to 6. It is Grant Polson. What's going on, Grant? What's up, Adam? How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. So we've got Grant on the line here, and we wanted to bring on Grant as a special guest for the Richmond Commander.
1: It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. All right, Grant, so I wanted your
0: take on the question of the day is, is Ben Johnson too young for this opportunity here in Washington to become the head coach? No,
2: not for me. I mean, Ben Johnson is – Wouldn't even be the youngest head coach of the National Football League at this point. Uh, In fact, Sean McVay is is still younger than him right now, basically, if you look at the numbers. And he's been a head coach for years, and he's been to two Super Bowls and won a Super Bowl. But uh, Johnson would be the same age, I believe, as two head coaches in the National Football League right now. But I really don't think anybody should be looking at the ages of candidates, certainly not from a youth standpoint, right? Gerard Mayo just got hired, was from Hampton, Virginia. Linebacker with the Patriots was the coach in waiting under Belichick. He's the same age, 37. He's one of the two guys hired in this cycle at this point. So he'd be one of three coaches, 38 or younger in the National Football League. But really, it's it's about the resume, the credentials. Are you ready for the opportunity? Can you lead men? Uh, Can you give your team a schematic advantage? And I think the answer to those questions so far has been a resounding yes in Detroit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really hope he's the guy. I I want him to have success in Washington. Grant, would you say the younger you go at head coach, though, the older you should go at defensive coordinator? It feels like we do need, like, a father figure in the room uh, this upcoming season. Do you agree?
2: Well, to some extent. I mean, again, I push back on, like, age. When you say young, old, I I I would push more toward experience, right? So if the point is Ben Johnson's never been a head coach, you should bring in a coordinator who is seasoned and has a lot of experience, which might traditionally mean you skew a little bit older in age. That's fine, but I'm not going in any searches and I'm saying, okay, I need a guy who's X number of years old, right? It's, it's about how long you've been in the league, how, how many years have you been calling plays, how many pelts do you have on the wall. But, yeah, I think it'd be a huge win for him, just like it was. I'll use McVeigh as an example again. And McVay was barely 30 years old when he got the head coaching job and, and coaching his first game with the Rams. And he came in, and his first defensive coordinator on this staff that he put together in his year one opportunity in L.A. was Wade Phillips, who was yeah. probably close to around 70 and was a longtime coordinator and head coach who'd been in Super Bowls. So something like that for Ben Johnson would certainly be a big deal. I mean, who he hires as his coordinator is going to be massively important. There's no doubt about that. They've got to fix that defense. I happen to believe that offense is more important than defense. I think that's proven in the league. You look at The NFC Championship game this year, it'll be the sixth straight year that two offensive-minded head coaches are coaching for the NFC title. Uh, But yeah, that hire is going to be significant. He's going to have to find someone who who can come in and do a good job for him.
0: What did you like about the game plan from Ben Johnson in the victory over the weekend? Uh,
2: A couple of things. Number one, I think they're just so multiple in
0: how they do things. I think he marries
2: run and pass really well with play action. They're under center a lot, which you don't always see in today's NFL. And I think they make life a little harder on the quarterback when you're in shotgun constantly. We saw that pretty incessantly with Sam Howell and anyone else behind center this year under Eric Bien-Aimé. Uh So I like that they're under center, that they can run both you know, off the edges outside and in the interior from those looks. They can get the play-action drop-back game going. I just think he made Jared Goff's life pretty easy. Now, if you look at expected completion percentage in these games this weekend, Jared Goff's expected completion percentage, ball out of the hand, was the highest of any of the quarterbacks. You know, that tells you that he's scheming things up. He's getting receivers open. They're making things easy around the line of scrimmage for Goff, who's had a complete renaissance under Ben Johnson. So that's not surprising. I also like that he gets his best playmakers, the football. 25 combined targets for Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Sam Laporta, his two best pass catchers. Uh, He's not out here billy-dallying and trying to throw the football to you know, uh, Reynolds a ton or Brock Wright or something. Uh, they're feeding the football to their horses, and I really like that.
0: Grant, you know, there's going to be a few quarterbacks in free agency that you get a lot of money and move to another destination. Now, I want Washington to draft a quarterback number two overall, and I believe that you agree with me there. But what would you say to Kirk Cousins 2.0 in D.C.?
2: if they didn't have the number two pick, I would be pretty interested in that because they need to get better at quarterback, and they need someone who can help them, give them a chance every single Sunday, and Kirk Cousins can do that. He's played at a top ten level in the NFL for the majority of his eight seasons or whatever it is now as a starter, and certainly over the last few years, he's been one of the better passing quarterbacks in the National Football League unequivocally. Uh, There's a reason why Minnesota extended him as many times as they did and wanted to extend him going into this season. Uh, The question now is, can he and the Vikings uh, agree? I mean, do they want to keep him around for two years? He's in his mid-30s coming off as Achilles. That's certainly what it sounds like. He may want a longer deal to try to finish his career, perhaps. So he might hit the market. But Washington having the number two pick, it sets up really nicely to have this uh, first-year head coach, I should say, whoever that is, paired with and handcuffed to a young ascending quarterback. Uh, so you would have, let's just say hypothetically you've been talking about Ben Johnson or somebody else, uh, coaching with a QB that they handpick, and then those two guys can kind of grow together. And the most valuable thing you can have in this sport right now is a quarterback who can help you win, who you don't have to pay a lot of money to because they're on a rookie contract. So whereas Cousins comes in here and he's going to be making you know, upper 40s, millions of dollars or something probably, You know, a QB on a rookie contract is going to be making – you know, one-sixth, one-seventh of that early on or whatever the the number might be on their deal. So for all those reasons, I I would trend for drafting a guy, but, you know, that changed when they got the number two pick. If they were picking 18th, 20th, 14th, something like that, I'd be very much open to the possibility of a reunion.
0: Grant Polson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Check out Grant and Danny after me from 3 to 6 p.m. right here on The Fan and always available on the go with the free Odyssey app. Grant, let's say I gave you $100. Are you putting on the commanders to trade up, to trade down, or to just draft at number two overall?
2: I would say I'm staying put right there, too. I, I don't think they need to move. You know, if they trade up, it would be presumably to draft Caleb Williams. I yeah. personally am not at, you know, even confident or sold on the fact that he's decidedly better, say, than Drake May. I mean, you'd have to think he's like a can't-miss, the only guy that you want in the class, decidedly better option than just sitting at number two and taking May, uh, which for me, the, the gap isn't that large. I haven't studied it all that closely, but based on what I've seen, I've also you know, perceived now that there are some possible, uh, I don't want to say concerns, certainly not red flags, but I don't love everything I'm hearing as it pertains to you know the rumors, and maybe none of them are true, but I haven't seen them shot down by anybody in this camp when things said, like, you know, initially he wanted an ownership stake, which isn't even allowed. Or he wants to know that the Bears aren't going to be getting the number one overall pick. And all these weird things that keep coming out, you don't hear those about Jaden Daniels. You don't hear things like that coming out of the Drake May side of things. So that gives me a little bit of pause as well. But I would also just point out, I think generally trading up doesn't work. It's not to say it never has, but way more often than not, I think when you trade up to get a quarterback, it's not that successful. If you have a really good playoff caliber team already, see the Chiefs when they traded up for Mahomes and then stashed him for a year, or the Bills when they traded up for Allen and then you know had him sit initially behind. I think it was Tyrod. That's one thing, but that's not what this is. You know, this is a bad team. They're picking second because they were the second worst team in the NFL this year. I just I think generally in those situations you need a lot, and the amount of people I think would would be stunned at how much it might take to trade up. Because if you have a team at 4, 5, 6 that wants to go get the number one pick, no, they're offering three first-round picks. They're offering second-rounders. Like Washington would have to match or meet some of that, or close to it maybe, to get the pick. So no thank you.
0: Grant, lastly here, I want to know, if you were Grant Peters, All right? you're, you're the GM in charge of this team, you're McDreamy, is Jonathan Allen on the roster next year?
2: Yes, probably, although to answer <laughs> kind of the here, – here's how I'll answer it. I would guess he would be yes, but I would 100% be open to making a trade. Like, I would yeah. make it known to teams, hey, if you want John Allen, he's available. I would actually prefer, depending on Allen's conversation with me and, you know, in a closed-door meeting at the end of the season, uh-huh. if he says, look, I'm done, I'm out, I want out, okay, then I'll trade him. But I would prefer to trade to Ron Payne. Uh, He makes more money. I think Allen is a little bit of a more consistent player. I think he's a more vocal leader in the locker room as it is. So uh, of those two guys, I'm not convinced Payne wouldn't have similar value, and uh, I would clear more money off my books as it is. But, yeah, I'd be looking to shop at least one of those two defensive tackles for sure.
0: Grant, always appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much, man.
2: Yeah, bro. Be good, man. Good catching up.
0: Yep, that's Grant Polson. You can check out Grant and Danny after me from 3 to 6 p.m. You're listening to AWOD on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, live and local here in Richmond, Virginia, Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. Always available on the go with the Odyssey app. Download it today for free. It's the best app out there for music play-by-play play here or Sports Talk, and I'm broadcasting live from Capital Alehouse here in Innsbruck, and Burger Night is back. The Burger Night that started it all is back and better than ever. From three to close, you can get a quarter-pound smashed and seared burger or cheeseburger for just $2.95. Upgrade to a bacon and blue cheeseburger or bacon and beer cheese, mushroom, and Gruyere for just $3.95. The original Burger Night is back at Capital House. That's every Monday from 3 to close at uh, all three of the Richmond area locations, Midlothian, downtown, or here with me at Innsbruck. And so the matchups are set for next Sunday. Everyone wants to know who is going to be playing in the Super Bowl this year. So the matchups are set. We will begin on 3 p.m. with Kansas City at the Baltimore Ravens and then 6.30 the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers, and Stubb, we almost didn't get that matchup. We almost didn't get that matchup. The Packers were close to being back. In fact, there were six minutes and 18 seconds left on the clock, and after a missed field goal by the Packers, 49ers got the ball back, trailing by only four points. Brock Purdy said to his teammates, hey guys, lock in. The time is now. Trent Williams... Said the same thing. He says, guys, this might be our last opportunity. And Williams confirmed with reporters after the game that they were embarrassed at that point of the potential loss. He said, quote, we told each other, there are six minutes left. This can be it. If we don't approach it the right way, this can be the last drive of the season. And they were able to convert. Brock Purdy went right down the field. They scored the game-winning touchdown. But they didn't play their best ball of the season yesterday. In fact, they they kind of were uh, lucky to escape. Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers, said after the game, we don't feel like we played our best today, but we still found a way to win, which we're very proud of these guys in there. I thought that was a big of a mental challenge and just a character game as I've been a part of. And it it kind of felt that way when you were watching it. I, I kind of always felt like the 49ers stub were going to find a way to win that game, but the yeah. Packers really pushed them to the limits.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Packers have really been the surprise story of this uh, a playoff yeah. match. I mean, they're the first seven seed to get a win, which there hasn't been seven seeds for that long. And it looked like they were going to take down the Niners. Uh, I think that the Niners had that two-week break, and it, it took them just about the whole game to kind of get back into focus. Well, it only took the Ravens about a half to kind of get back to full steam.
0: Yeah, I mean, you think about the Packers. They were the story of wild card weekend Going to Dallas, destroying the Cowboys. Great defense, good offense. Then they go to San Francisco, and they played a heck of a game. 15 points in the third quarter, and it looked like they had a chance to win that game, but blanked in the fourth quarter. Never going to win when that happens. And, of course, the missed field goal cost them the game. Uh, Aaron Jones was really good on the ground. 18 carries, 108 yards. Their best receiver was Romeo Dobbs. But McCaffrey and uh, Brandon Ayuk were too much as – did you feel like when Debo Samuel left that game, it kind of felt like the Niners struggled for a little bit to, to replace their big weapon?
3: Yeah, and, and there's a 50-50 right now. He's coming to the next game. I saw a, yeah. a report on ESPN, and that's if that happens, I really am rooting for the Lions here. I, I just, with Brock Purdy not looking too great, and uh, yeah, it seems like they have a lot of weapons, but you lose one of them, it's going to be tough.
0: Absolutely. So, Lions get the win over the Bucks, 31-23. to uh, Good game from Jared Goff. Better games from Jameer Gibbs. Nine carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. And he also caught the ball out of the backfield. So, we mentioned Washington possibly hiring Ben Johnson, the offense coordinator for the Detroit Lions as Washington's next head coach. Well, check out this stat. No team ran more plays from under center than Detroit the last two seasons. Washington is doing nothing but shotgun with Eric Bieniemy, Sam Howell sitting back there, and we're throwing it all day, not running at all. Well, Ben Johnson and the Lions led the NFL with 690 runs from under center. It's the combination of run and pass that's made the Lions so good this year and that's what was missing in Washington, right? We have decent running backs. with Antonio Gibson, I really like, Brian Robinson Jr., but we only handed the ball to them like five to ten times a game, and then it was just, Sam, throw up a prayer. See if you can get us down the field. Detroit has done it with elements of run, pass, play action. They attempted 274 play action passes. That's more than any team in the NFL. They had the NFL best 23 touchdowns off of play action. So that's how you win in this league. You've got to be able to run and then fake the run, get the linebackers creeping forward, and then you throw it over the top of them. And Ben Johnson's just really impressed me with that. Yeah. As Obviously, we've been focusing on him and the Lions over the last few weeks, but that was a big part of their game plan against the Bucks. The Bucs are a really good defense.
3: Yeah, and to Ben Johnson's credit, I really think you could tell in that second half that he had the Buccaneers' defense figured out. Those medium passes right up the middle from Jared Goff, it, yeah. the Buccaneers never figured it out. And, and Ben Johnson just kept kept running it, and that's where we got this huge lead from them near the end.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've been using FanDuel, Sign up promo code AWOD, and I was betting while I was watching the game. And FanDuel has this—I think it's a really fun bet where— you do it right before the commercial, before the offense comes back on the field. And it says, this drive, blank will catch a pass. And you pick a person. Uh, I picked Sam Laporta three or four times and won it every single time. Yep. He had nine <laughs> catches out of 11 targets. I, he was wide open throughout I, the entire game.
3: I also won money off of Laporta this weekend. Right? <laughs> As well, I, I said it last week. You said, how are they going to beat the Bucks?" And I said it was going to be Laporta.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that Detroit offense is really looking good, and it's making me want Ben Johnson more and more, right? Amon Ross St. Brown uh, has been a superstar at wide receiver. Laporte their tight end. Jameer Gibbs is kind of like a Antonio Gibson, a guy you can hand the ball to or throw it to him out of the backfield. They drafted Jamison Williams to be a stud wide receiver. He finally showed up, two catches for 35 yards. They got everybody involved, right? And that's yeah. why they were they were so good offensively Jared Goff 30 of 43 that's a lot of pass attempts oh yeah they also ran the ball 26 times so they did find a way to run uh, where Tampa could not run successfully at all they only had 15 carries on the game where Baker Mayfield threw for 41 uh, attempts and that led to the two interceptions which were uh, backbreakers there um Frustrating to see my guy, Baker Mayfield, go down. Didn't look like much of a football savant there, (laughs) (laughs) Stubb. He he wasn't reading the defense very well. He started
3: and he ended the game with an interception, and that's really what did him in.
0: Yeah, you know what I think they needed to do more of was throw it to Mike Evans. It was like they only targeted him the one drive right before the half when he had three catches, Yeah, and and then they just forgot about him. And he still got,
3: like, 120 yards. It seemed like anything time they threw it to Mike Evans, it was a dime, so...
0: Yeah, that's what they needed to do at the end of the game there. It was just kind of give Mike Evans a shot to win the game. I was disappointed by Chris Godwin only having 40 yards. Uh, You know, when the Bucs won the Super Bowl, he was a star. Uh, Maybe that was just Tom Brady finding uh, a good receiver there, but did not uh, play well in this one. 40 yards, four catches, but he was targeted eight times, so he had four drops on the game. Um, So, look, I I thought it was really entertaining football. Uh, the The Ravens Texans game turned out to be a blowout was a really entertaining game at half 10 to 10. I'm thinking man Texans have a shot here. Uh, they had all the momentum with the former Redskins Steven Sims punt return for a touchdown. Uh, you know that was a, a, a really good game Packers Niners. I'm going to say that was probably the game of the weekend Packers Niners. What What do you think? I mean, Chiefs-Bills
3: was fun. Yeah, I mean, there are three to pick from here. I loved watching the Lions-Buccaneers game. It didn't end up that close, but the first three quarters were just fun to watch. I might pick that one.
0: Yeah, it it was it was good defensive football yeah. for a while there, and then the offense started exploding. Sign, kind of the same thing there with the Chiefs Bills game. Uh, defense holding teams to field goals in the first quarter. Second quarter is all touchdowns. Uh, third quarter, a couple more scores. Uh, but I'm gonna say my certified game of the week here. I was wrong picking the Bucks Lions. I think it was that Packers Niners game. Like I, I really think that was the most entertaining game of the season, and if the Packers make that field goal, they might have advanced. Instead, it's the Niners at home facing off against the Lions and the Ravens at home hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll have you covered throughout the rest of the week. We'll get Ravens Chiefs, Niners and Lions reporters on the show. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105, One FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. Every game can be heard on 910 The Fan with an extended pregame show live from the Commonwealth Room of the Siegel Center. Pregame coverage starts tomorrow at 6.15 for Loyola Chicago at VCU. And we're... Going to go around all of the college hoops here in the state of Virginia. I mentioned it when we started the show here for the first time all season, I believe. All four of the big local schools, Richmond, VCU, UVA, and Virginia Tech, got wins over the weekend. It's time for University Drive.
1: Let's go to University Drive. Scores, buzzer beaters, madness. All the college basketball in the state of Virginia. We'll follow your favorite team's all season long. University Drive on AWOD Radio. And We start with the Hokies in Blacksburg as they went to
0: Raleigh, North Carolina and upset the NC State Wolfpack 84-78. to Another offensive explosion for the Hokies. 51 points in the second half as they go on to win by six. Led by Hunter Couture, sharpshooting, four of eight from the field, three of six from the three-point line, 19 points, got to the free-throw line and converted, eight of ten from the free-throw line to go along with four assists, uh, excuse me, two assists, four rebounds, a steal. He did it all. Sean Padula has been shooting the ball Really hot. He's 5 of 10 in the game, but I, w- I thought it was his assists that were really big for the Hokies. 13 points, 8 assists, 2 rebounds for Padula. Uh, they got a-, a third scorer there in Lidkin. Robbie Barron in the starting lineup with 11 points, 3 rebounds, 2 steals. Uh, Tyler Nickel, you heard him in the promo there during the break. He's been a sharpshooter off the bench for the Hokies. He's there. You know, bench scorer. um, Malajal Poteet comes off the bench, provides hustle and energy, helps out defensively. Nickel helps out on the offensive end. He finishes the game with 12 points, 3 of 5 from behind the 3-point line. And when the Hokies shoot over 40% from 3, they're successful. They get wins, 9 of 19 from 3. And they held the NC State Wolfpack to just 6 of 19, 31%. Uh, They also forced 18 turnovers in the victory so big win for the Hokies there on the road needed that to get back to three and four in conference play and they have a chance to get to 500 facing off against two and five Boston College that game is tomorrow 9 p.m. from Blacksburg and can be heard right here on 910 the fan or on the ACC network and we go over to the who's of UVA next here on University Drive. 13-5 on the season. Now up to sixth place in the ACC thanks to -to back-to-back victories against the Techs. Home win against Virginia Tech. Road win against Georgia Tech. And next up, they're going to have to face off against NC State, who's going to be hungry for revenge after the Hokies defeated them over the weekend. And in the win against Georgia Tech, it was... Isaac McNeely with a big game. The sophomore sensation can hit the three-point shot. He was six of nine from behind the arc. 20 points, five rebounds, one assist. Just a really good game from McNeely, um, who was good last year as a freshman. We needed him if if UVA was going to make a run in this year's ACC tournament to get hot, to have the confidence this year. And I think he's improved on the defensive end and on the offensive end. But you heard... Tim Hobgood, you can hear Frank Maloney and Hobbo, 6 p.m. here tonight on the fan for Who's Talking. The difference for UVA in the last few games has been Jordan Miner stepping up. This uh, The 6'8", 240-pound senior can hit a mid-range jump shot. He can defend well. He can finish around the rim. Uh, has had a really good Two-game stretch here for UVA. Twenty-seven points in the last two games. Seven rebounds, two assists, uh, helping UVA get a couple victories there. Um, after a two-game losing streak, bouncing back with a two-game win streak. And you know we've talked about how tough the ACC is this season, and every season and it's no different this year. The teams at the top, uh, top obviously, you have UNC seven and zero, a lost uh, in conference play. Duke. Uh, has struggled a little bit, lost this weekend, but they're four and two in the ACC. And then there are a pair of teams sitting at five and two: Wake Forest, who UVA lost to; Florida State, five and two, really good year once again for Leonard Hamilton with that athletic roster, and five and two NC State. So NC State against UVA tomorrow is going to be a big time matchup. Let's move over to the spiders of University of Richmond. <laughs> So they're 5-0, and 13-5 on the season, but 5-0 and in conference play. And, you know, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. They've been able to win clutch games here um, with late buckets, all right? So they start conference playoff. St. Bonaventure comes to the Seagull Center and just really blew out VCU. I mean, a really good game from start to finish. Chad Venning, uh, Micah Adams-Woods, the backcourt were, were incredible. They win against VCU. They stay in Richmond. For the rest of the week, face off against the Spiders, who hadn't played an A-10 game. Spiders stopped them completely defensively. They only score 54 points. Richmond wins by 11, 65-54. That's how they started conference play. Then they go, they go to Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago was not good in the A-10 last year. This year, they're 5-1, and 13-6 overall, with a few transfers, including Dez Watson um, from Davidson. Doesn't matter. Spiders win with clutch shooting, 58-56, a two-point road victory. Then Mason comes to Henrico to face off against the Spiders. Can't get any clutch shooting down the stretch. Richmond wins a close one, 77-70. Then they go to Duquesne, win with a layup with 13 seconds left. And then, like we mentioned earlier, at Davidson in North Carolina, can't win it in regulation, but they win it in overtime, 69-64. King has been... The star for Richmond this year. Uh, he had 24 points in the victory over the weekend against Davidson. But to me, I look at Neil Quinn and, and as a guy that can just improve throughout the season and much improved from last year. Eight points, five rebounds, three assists. You know, A big man that can pass is so important in that Princeton offense. Um, he's been good. And then Isaiah Bigelow, who was a decent power forward last year, has been a rebounding machine this year. He had a double-double, 10 points, 13 rebounds in Richmond's victory over Davidson. So the Spiders will next host GW that game will be Wednesday Wednesday uh, GW decent team in the A-10 um, did just come off a loss but they're three and two beat VCU they've got a, a pair of really good scores. in fact three scores uh, that are tough to defend in Max Edwards Buchanan and then James Bishop who hit the game winner against VCU and the Rams will host Loyola Chicago tomorrow with a chance to make it four wins in a row. Two 8-10 win- first games of the season here, two losses. First two two, guy, two times that VCU has lost at home to begin a 10 conference play. They gave up 80 points in both those games and 50% from the three-point line. You know, after the game, Sean Barristow mentioned they had a team meeting where they said to each other, this is not okay. We cannot be okay with giving up this many points and letting the opponents shoot this well from the three-point line. Something clicked in that meeting. Something changed. They go to Mason, and Mason shoots 0-15 from the three-point line. Great defensive performance holding GMU to 50. They get a road win. Then it's LaSalle, a couple big-time buckets down the stretch from Toby Luol, Kwani Kwani, good defense from the Rams, and they win that one by six. Then St. Louis comes to the Seagull Center on Friday night, decades night, and the Rams had their best offensive performance of the season, I believe. 85 points, uh, a bunch of guys in double figures. Joe Bama still lit it up, 10 of 13, 29 points in just 22 minutes. I mean, that's so incredibly impressive. And they did not let Gibson Jimerson, the best player for St. Louis, even attempt a shot. He had three shot attempts the entire game. Max Sholga took that defensive battle personally. Uh, it was To me, it felt like Odom challenged him to prove that he's the better player than Jimerson in the A-10. As Jimerson's you know, one of the A-10 top leading scorers right now, well, Shulga at 15 points per game had something to say in that one. So the Rams win by 24, their most impressive win of the season. A lot of momentum for Loyola Chicago coming to the stew tomorrow to face off against the Rams. Pre-game coverage starts at 6 right here. On the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105, one FM. I don't don't go anywhere. I'll be right
1: back. Welcome back.
0: I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105, one FM, Rodney Ashby, color analyst for VCU Basketball via Rams Unlimited, will join us at 2 p.m., so you don't want to miss that conversation. We will continue our NFL uh, talk here Who are the best quarterbacks Rank the four quarterbacks left here In the NFL playoffs If you want to chime in Phone lines are open 833 That's 833 But we did want to mix it up a little bit I almost finished Loki Season 2 Over the weekend In between my NFL viewing So what's the latest with Hollywood and entertainment Here on
1: NetClix NetClix the best of streaming services, TV, movies, books, podcasts, and more. We've got you covered on Netflix.
0: All right, Stubbs, you said you were going to bring the, bring the show to a halt here with a movie tick.
3: So I watched a movie that I would imagine is, is a favorite of yours because I've heard you quote it a couple of times. Uh-oh. And I kind of hated it. Okay. The movie was called? Step Brothers.
0: You hated step riders, I did. Dude. I, I, You're, I, such I, <laughs> sorry, You're such a loser. We've, I'm sorry, Stubb. You're such a loser. We. I'm going to say right now, if anybody listening would like to produce AWOD Radio, <laughs> we're going to open up the phones now, and anybody can replace Stub. This is one of the greatest comedies of all time. Will Ferrell, John C. Riley. Did we just become best friends? Yup. Yeah, Do that's I the... hate Stubb now? <laughs> yes. Adam Scott as his brother Derek. I mean, Richard Jenkins as the dad. Mary Steinberger as the mom. It's one of the greatest comedies ever. It came out in 2008. It's still relevant today. It was probably the last good movie Will Ferrell's ever done. I mean, there's everything about that movie. You can quote it till you die. The cat. It's the effing Catalina wine mixer.
3: That was probably Stop. the best joke. I what is it. wrong with you? What <laughs> I, is wrong with you? I, I don't know, it's just a movie about two losers that I didn't want to watch. I was like, you came them, into this movie with
0: the wrong <laughs> with the wrong mindset. I think you were looking for, you know, uh, a thought for fi- a thoughtful no, film I here that was gonna provoke, you know, uh, some kind of uh, conversation. No, this is two aimless middle aged losers that are still living at home. Yeah, I that, don't, you know I, what? Is that what did it hit Who too host close to home there? Did you feel like home. you were living too no, but you're close to home. I mean your mom is a stone's throw away. Yeah, you but can that's go home fine. cry to mommy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Look, I, I I I'm gonna be honest, I don't think I laughed once.
0: What are you talking about? I
3: watched it and I didn't laugh. <laughs> well, one, I think I've heard every hold single on, line on. in you the did movie not beforehand. Laugh. You
0: did not laugh when the two of them went to a job interview together, both dressed up in suits, one sat behind each other, and then they just started farting uncontrollably? No. You didn't laugh at I'm that scene? I'm not a child.
1: Yeah, so no. no. That, that's
0: what I, I think we've realized, is you know that I, uh, you had a terrible childhood. No, the, you the, had a terrible childhood.
3: I think I might I just, have laughed at the I'm end look, when they were beating up all me? the children. That was funny. I like that part. when he was, like, Well, then you swinging wouldn't love to hear this. Punching.
0: I just saw an article from People. Step Brothers turns 15. The cast says they're all in on a potential sequel. We've had some great ideas. Stubb's the only one that wouldn't support it. How about when they're I mean, all watching you know, watching TV and they're eating breakfast cereal? Come on now. There's so well, many I classic I, scenes.
3: I, I just didn't think so. Look, I, I, I like a couple of Adam McKay's movies. I think he has more misses than he has hits. I love oh the big goodness.
0: short. Oh, my goodness. Hold on. Do, don't you bring Adam McKay into this. I will that's, bring Adam McKay. That's Mc- my did genius. You see
3: Don't Look Up? Yes, I loved Don't Look Up. Terrible no movie. No way, yes.
0: dude. That was <laughs> that was thought provoking, right no, there. No,
3: it wasn't. That was yes, the least thought provoking movie. The other I've ever guys seen. is
0: really entertained. Yes, I like the. Next, other guys. you're going to tell me that you, you don't like Anchorman. You're no, not I love a Ron Anchorman. Burgundy. I love fan. Anchorman.
3: Now, Anchorman Two not, was good. You know a miss. what?
0: You know what? I'm going to have to put a lock and a key over your microphone right now <laughs> because this is just really bringing me down here. I This is what you wanted to bring up I on Netflix. I told you that you were
3: going to get mad at me. We should start. We should start talking football again.
0: All right. This is terrible. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up on Netflix today?
3: Uh, let's see. I, I, well, you're not going to care because the other things that I watched were horror movies. I, 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 yeah. I, I need to get back in to um, True Detective. I got four episodes in, and I, I just can't. I, I, I look at it, and it's like, oh, that's an hour. That's too long to watch, and then I'll put on a two-hour movie instead. I don't know why yeah. my brain is making no, up I, that I
0: No, I think we've, y- you're a lunatic, right? Like, you're a <laughs> psychopath, who can't watch, you know, 60 minutes of it. So, True Detective season 4 <laughs> is on right now. All right? So, you you need to catch up. See season 1 and then see, start watching season 4 so we can talk about it as a show because it is really good. I have not watched last night episode last night's episode. I'll probably get to it later this week, but they're doing a weird thing season 4 here where there's like a a ghost element to it or I don't know if it's ghost or paranormal. Not a fan I, yeah, I liked season one when it was just a normal murder mystery. I guess because it's in Anchorage, Alaska. They're trying to, you know, what the hell happens yeah, in Alaska? Happens in Alaska. You know, well, let's add ghost elements here. But um, I know the Junkies gave the first episode a 9 out of 10. I dropped it probably to like a 7.5 because I just did not like, you know, the ghost element. Did not love Yeah,
3: it. I, I would not expect that. I, I, is it going to be like a Scooby-Doo and there's not a real ghost? Someone's just trying to yeah. make it seem like there's a ghost? That could be fun.
0: Yep, you can always tweet us throughout the show, at AWOD Radio, or call in 833-804-0910. Frank says, I know nothing about radio uh, and producing it, but I'll take over. Stubb is nuts. <laughs> get him off the airwaves. That's what he said, get him off the airwaves here, Stubb. You've pissed off the audience. That's yeah, You know I, what, that's what you need to do, is you need to understand the audience, the football guys watching, and listening to this show. These guys like Anchorman. They like Step Brothers. Like they Anchorman. like Will Ferrell. Apparently look. you don't.
3: You gotta, you gotta have hot takes, and 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 I, I and I was willing. I knew that you wouldn't like it, and I and I knew a lot of the audience wouldn't like it. But but I need I need to need to have strong opinions.
0: Do you like Talladega Nights? Yeah, great movie. Oh, so it's just a Step Brothers thing. And and don't look up. Will and don't look up. And Anchorman too. Okay, okay, that's. Fine.
3: I am like I I agree that as of late, Will Ferrell has been pretty bad. In, yeah. Uh, in his comedy performances, I don't know. I think. My my favorite comedies are, are like old, like Blazing Saddles, Airplane, Monty Python. Wow, and uh, that's yeah, that's.
0: Kind of... I mean, Airplane's good, but the, the others are. I mean, they're fifty years old. Come on, now you you haven't. Oh my goodness, have you? Uh, <laughs> a, a, have you not seen a good comedy in fifty years? Is that what you're telling me?
3: Like a little bit. I, I game night was pretty good. Uh, I don't know if game you ever caught that one. That's game night stinks. No, that's well, a good movie. Next year i gonna that's like oh, movie. I liked
0: I liked the movie Tag too. Yeah, I did like I'm the sure movie Tag. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, my they God, had you're... they were
3: doing something. They were doing Ugh. something with mo- hey. I I've made my opinion heard. Do you want to yeah. you you sent me this article the other day that we can go oh, over. Oh, yeah. what what did we want to go over? It was the here. 11 things you did at the movies in the 90s.
0: Oh, yes. I I read that article. I don't know how I think I was googling movies and and that thing came up and I was like Oh, these are awesome because it takes me back to when I was a kid. I mean, yeah, I want to go through a few of them because uh, I used to love going to the movies. Number one, they say, checked over your shoulder for a ghost or a killer. Uh, I still do that to the day, to this day. <laughs> all right? I'm probably scarred because of the tragedies that we've had in movie theaters. Yeah, no, that's but fair. I'm just, I'm like always on the lookout. Uh, number two, it says, throw, um, you know, Sour Patch Kids at kids from your school. Uh, yes, I am. I'm guilty of that. I used to throw candy in a movie theater. Number three, having a first date there. Everybody has. Number four, going I no, into a, I, I, a that's a bad movie. first
3: date. Really? Yeah, because you can't talk to each other. Like it, yeah, maybe but if you why, get like that's dinner. That's why first. you
0: did it. That's why you did it when you were like 14 and you didn't know how to talk to a girl in the first place. Oh, right? I, see I used what to you mean, go to yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, these are things we did in the 90s. Yeah, I wasn't before, alive. Sorry, before you were burned. <laughs> yeah, I used to go to. Um, Springfield Mall with a buddy of mine and we'd tell a couple girls to meet us there and then we'd go to the movies not say one word to them but then tell all our <laughs> friends that we all we just had a double date
3: okay you know yeah. now I get it now I get it yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> going into a boring movie just to have somewhere in the dark to make out wish I had more of those stories <laughs> really wish I had more of those stories uh, I do not um, five actually watching the movie without any other distractions because there were no cell phones back then yes I missed that um Going to the movie and making it the climax event of your day at the mall, that one hit, like, so, so much. Because, like, grown up, right, either with my friends or with my family, we'd go out to the mall, we'd shop for a little bit, you know, get, like, an Auntie Ann's hot dog, get a drink, and then you go out to, like, a nice dinner, and then you go to a movie, and that was the end of the big day at the mall. Um, so I, I missed that. Getting way overdressed to see a movie, uh, I, I do love that one, too. Not really overdressed, but, like, you know, some people nowadays they'll just go in like sweatpants, and I.
3: Oh, I sure I, do. You know what?
0: That's a Gen Z thing. I, I sure do G- that. These Gen Zers, they love to but go out the, and about in their Crocs. And on the they other hand,
3: cool. it's big for Gen Zers to dress up in costume for the movie, yeah. like kind of dress. Like Barbie was a big one, but I still see people doing that. So I, yeah. I appreciate that. I think that's a fun thing to like dress as a character and go see a movie.
0: Uh, here's a good one. Bought tickets to one film and then went to see another one instead. I mean, we used to love to do that. Sneak into like a, you know, PG-13 movie or something when I was real young, or, or get into an R-rated movie because you bought a ticket to you know something that was PG. Um, and and also number nine is a good one. The cinemas used to be a place to hang out for a day. And I always bring up this story. My dad and I one time. Went to three straight movies We paid for one ticket, then, snuck that. into another one And then we are like, you know what, what's going on here Oh, it's Rocky, let's just watch the second half of this one Have I you have, done that before?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, well I didn't have to sneak yeah. in I have my unlimited thing, so I just kind of got free three free movies back to back But yeah. I, I've had, I've more than once I, I do a lot of double features
0: Yeah, so this was a fun list uh, from Bustle.com We'll tweet us at, tweet it out here at AWOD Radio Or at 910 The Fan if you want to chime in Phone lines are always open 833 804 We are searching for a new producer of AWOD Radio.